Hi there, welcome to the It's Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Boner. I'm so excited about this podcast. It's something that I've been thinking about for a really long time. We're gonna be having conversations with real people about the hard stuff in life. I'll be challenging my guests to be open and honest and vulnerable about the tough parts of their lives. And I'm hoping that this will lead to growth and bettering our human connection. So join me, learn with me, and grow with me. Welcome to It's Hard. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 13 of the It's Hard podcast. I had the opportunity to sit down with my old boss, Colby. She has struggled with infertility um, pretty much her whole life and just finding out when she was really young and then getting into a relationship and now having children has been a big um, struggle for her and she's willing to open up about it and share her story and it's so inspiring and so moving and I think you'll learn something from it no matter what your history what that looks like or whether you're not even thinking about that yet but she has just a really great mindset about everything and has also been able to have one beautiful son already and is now pregnant with her second child a girl who's due in April so such a cool story and very inspiring and I'm really excited for all of you to hear it so here's my episode with Colby I just want to take this opportunity to talk about Patreon I've mentioned it before, but if you don't know, Patreon powers membership businesses for creators by giving them tools they need to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. With subscription-style payment model, fans pay their favorite creators a monthly amount of their choice in exchange for exclusive access, extra content, or a closer look into their creative journey. This model is a win-win. Creators retain creative freedom while getting the salary they deserve, and fans get to rest easy knowing that their money goes directly towards creating more of what they love. So if you feel so inclined to give, the embedded button is I also want to tell you about my partnership with my friend Dell. She works at Lifetime Legacy Nutrition as a health coach. They sell herbal lifestyle shakes, and so you can go in and ask for Coach Dell and get $2 off your first shake if you are a new customer, and then you'll also get an It's Hard sticker. So go see Dell, and even if you're not a first-time customer, still go see her. Take a picture and post it on Instagram. Um, I'm really excited about this partnership, just promoting health and wellness, and Dell is awesome, so please, please, please go see her, but have a great week, everyone. I'm not worried about you at all. I feel like you're going to be great. And so, <laughs> but how are you feeling? How is baby and Wilder and are you excited? I'm excited. I'm getting excited. Wilder yeah. is a three-major. Yeah. So he's uh, like, kind of like, I'll throw you in the garbage mood sometimes. Yeah. But then sometimes he's super sweet. I call him a sour, sour patch kid. Oh, it's um, And she's moving like intense. And really? so like sometimes I'm like sitting and I'm like, oh, I gotta stand or like the pressure's up here. Yeah. So, um... I don't know. I'm feeling good. The exhaustion came back, but and I, I crave nachos and egg burritos. <laughs> Super weird. Um, so then, like, I won't be hungry all day, and then I'll, like, be hungry, and I'll eat something, and it, like, opens this, like, floodgate of, like, I'm starving, so and I want to eat everything. Like, Jake will make me an egg burrito, and I'll have two, and then, like, three bowls of cereal. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. But I gained 60 pounds with Wilder, and I'm at, like, 30, probably... 35 now wow. with this one and I still have like nine weeks well you've done the yeah because you've done those comparison photos of mm-hmm. like when you're pregnant with Wilder versus now that you're pregnant with her and it's like crazy like I, you I only can see it in your belly I, guess, I crazy. feel like this one's different mm-hmm. like I don't know if it's because it's like also winter so I'm not as like hot or swollen true like I haven't noticed my feet swelling unless I'm like on them all day or yeah. like in the winter or in the summer it was like 
was just like huge and like my feet were swollen and my face was swollen and like everything was yeah. just like huge so and I'm trying to eat better and trying to be better I just still just don't work out yeah so and I'm trying to it's sleep. gotta be hard though I mean it's, well and then like dealing with like Wilder wants to mommy play with me and I want to play with him yeah. but I'm like I'm so tired you're so like tired. I just it's it's been kind of a challenge. Jake's yeah. been really great. So How's it good. been working full-time, too? I mean, really that's hard. crazy. <laughs> so. I don't know. I thought that working full-time would be, like, easy because I was like, okay, I will, like, go to work. I owned a business. I can do this. Like, I worked all the time, day and night, no matter what, like, un- until midnight or, like, I'd work every day on, like, my days off. And then I go there, and I'm there, like, 8 to 5, and I'm – it's just, like, it's different. Yeah. And so I like what I do. I like it a lot, but it's far away from my house, and I don't have, like, the flexibility, I guess, that I had. Yeah. So it's been a little challenging. And doing it, like, mainly, like, a little bit into the first trimester, and then now, like, the exhaustion comes back in the third trimester. And so, like, it's been a little <clears throat> challenging. Yeah. When does your maternity leave start? <clears throat> I don't know yet. Yeah. I was not expecting to get any maternity leave or anything. Um, I was just going to take, like, a bunch of vacation and just take time off. Wow. And they're, le- they're giving me maternity, which is great. Um, so I think probably, like, beginning mid-April. Yeah. Like, so, right around when you do. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm. It's like they're navigating this new. I'm navigating it new. There's only eight of us that work there. So it's a small, oh, wow. it's a small company, which I really like yeah. that I can get on board with. Um, but it has definitely, like, there's certain days that I'm like, how do people do this? <laughs> like, I know people, I know moms work. I know people work full time. And I used to work full time. Yep. Like, I used to work crazier hours than this. Yeah. And now I'm like, how do people do this? <laughs> yeah, and you don't you even have weekends off now, which yeah. is probably way nicer than mm-hmm. when you'd have to be at the shop. And I don't have the stress of, can I pay rent? Mm-hmm. Can I pay my employees? Why did this person not buy? And, like, that whole pressure on my shoulders is mm-hmm. gone. Um, I mean, I do feel responsible at my new job because I want to grow it and help them and build it with them, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. But it's just, like, a little bit of that I get to enjoy because I don't have the stress of, like, I, why did this person not buy? Yeah. Or, like, can I pay rent? Or yeah. crying every night. After you go home or, like, once you get home, it's not on your shoulders anymore. Yeah. Whereas when you own your own business, it's constantly on your shoulders and you're constantly thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. So for the listeners, now we've been recording for a little while, um, I am here with my old boss, Colby. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So she used to own Flutter Bridal Co., which I used to work at, and... That was, I think I worked with you for a year. Feels like longer than it that. It does, I know. Yeah. Um, and we just became really close. And you, my sister bought her wedding dress from you. And that's how we met. And then we worked together and just became friends over it, too. And now you've moved on and I've moved on. Mm-hmm. And we still stay connected, which has been awesome. So I wanted to have her on because she has a great story. And she just speaks so well about it and talks is open about it on social media and is just a really cool awesome chick so i'm excited that you're here thanks i love telling the story about how we met oh you have to tell it you have to tell i just think it's so funny when you and your family came in to shop for your sister's uh wedding dress and then you guys left and then came back and how we just like connected all of us Mm -hmm. just like connected immediately and then you saw us unveiled and i was like i need help 
Paige, do you want to work for me? And like just that connection, even when you emailed me about coming in for one of your classes and I was like, that was so great. And then I love to tell people that like you and your mom were like, you have to come to Haley's wedding and like crash it. (laughs) So, and then I'm like, and then I did and it was so fun. Oh my gosh. So I love to tell like when people ask me or something, but you know, like about my Flutter girls or Mm -hmm. like my friends, I'm lucky to say that you're one of my friends that I've gained from that along with the two others that we're really close with. So it was such a fun job. I mean, we all worked really hard. It was like the four of us. Yeah. Yeah. In one shop and we would have Saturdays selling dresses. We'd be crazy busy and we just kicked ass. I mean, I don't know how we had, you know, we pulled it off somehow. <laughs> I think it's because we all got along really well together yes. and we all wanted to build each other up and like have each other succeed. So yeah. it was never like a, I sold this dress. It was kind of like a, we yes. did this or like we're a team and we truly cared about our brides. Totally. Like I feel like we were just in this, like we just had fun. We danced around. We didn't take things too seriously. And I loved the dynamic that all of us had. I agree. That was like the hardest part about selling yeah was like and I was so worried about you guys yeah. and like telling you guys that this is what's happening and all that kind of but stuff but it was in the end the best thing for you because I think what I needed to do with your family you had to make that step and we still had that time nonetheless mm-hmm. and I love that I love the idea of when you work together with somebody especially in an environment like that I mean that's commission-based and that's you know, it is naturally competitive because mm-hmm. it's going to be one girl is going to sell three dresses one day and the other girl's not going to sell any. Um, but I always felt with us four, it was like, we, you, like you said, we sold this dress. I mean, if Margot sold a dress, it was like, yes, like we mm-hmm. did. We sold a dress today. I mean, we were rooting for you at the end of the day and we wanted the business to succeed. And so that's why we worked so mm-hmm. hard and why we put so much time into it. And then you cared about not only the brides, but you cared about us as people. And so anything that we needed, anything we needed to do, you were there for us and you supported us inside and outside of the shop. So that was, I think, a big reason yeah. to why we kicked butt and did our very best. But I remember when you came and crashed my sister's wedding. It was so funny. And then you're like, I have to talk to you about something. And I was like, right now? Like, I don't know. I had had a few drinks. I was like, I don't know. And we sat down and you like told me that you sold. And I remember I was really excited because you were like, you still have a job. I was like, thank God. But it was, you know, a good good thing in the end um even though we all ended up going our different ways mm-hmm. it was we had that time but in the end I think that's exactly what you needed to do I so. needed it for my health and yes mental health and physical health and like just everything to be happier so yeah so it's now perfect. you're working for mission boat gear yes Yes, so it's kind of not bridal, but it's my second passion. And actually, when I started working with them, um, I had joked that if I didn't own a bridal business, I would be a professional wake surfer. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was nine, almost ten months pregnant with Wilder, and I was wake surfing. Ten months pregnant with him and um, went viral about it. And uh, that's a huge passion of mine. It's like a stress relief for me. And I love boating. And I've been boating my entire life. And Jake, my husband, actually knows the, like, had met the owner um, a couple years ago and was doing testing with them. And so we've been following the company and watching it grow. And so I'm taking that passion of, like, I love boating. I love wake surfing. Um, into like my new career so I started working with them and doing whatever they need me to do it's it's another small company so I think what they liked was that there's many hats that you wear and with owning a business there are many hats that I would wear and 
I did get a comment from one of the owner's um, wives that was like, yeah, you know, he just says, asks you to do something and you just do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, isn't like, that what you're supposed, supposed, to do? <laughs> supposed to do? So uh, it's been, it's been cool and fun to find something exciting. Um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do after I sold. I didn't know where, like, am I going to stay home? Am I not? We still have some financials to work through with, you know, selling the business and, um, stuff like that so like we knew i needed some sort of income especially because we were going to be going through trying to have another baby yeah and so it kind of happened and it's it's been great yeah that's awesome so we'll just jump right in um and i want to know what vulnerability means to you oh man i know i've been thinking about this (laughs) um i think for me vulnerability means for me when i when i look at it it's like I, when I accepted myself and decided to be who I truly am, that was like being vulnerable because in my past, I went to a really small Catholic high school and there was 23 kids in my school. And I would say I was like middle popular, Mm -hmm. you know, like I made the homecoming court, but that's because there were nine girls in my class. (laughs) I mean, maybe. Mm -hmm. I had friends and I think it was great. I remember one time my mom said I was... Like, it was probably, like, an eighth grade dance, and my mom, like, was, I was really upset, and I went crying to her because I didn't get invited to decorate for mm-hmm. the dance. And she's like, I'm going to tell you this right now, and you, this is something I want you to remember. You can count your best friends on one hand. Just remember that. And I think I was kind of dorky. I have glasses. I have a name, Colby. Like, it was, just, it was just wasn't, like, normal, you know? And so, like, I got told I was weird, and, you know, I didn't really get bullied. I mean... To the extent of what bullying is today, I, you know, can look back like, oh, I got made fun of because I had Donald Duck on my glasses or I got called four eyes or like, oh, Colby's weird or something like that. And then when I was thinking about vulnerability, the thing I that I kept thinking about was like how I didn't really date in high school. Mm -hmm. I had one boyfriend in high school and then I had a couple boyfriends like in college. And the pattern with them is, is I dated them because they liked me, Mm. not because like. I like liked them. It was like easy because I didn't think that I could get somebody or attract somebody to a quality that I was liking. And mm-hmm. I had some, a couple of good relationships and like two really terrible <laughs> relationships. Yeah. And so like, I think when I kind of like figured out that like, it's okay to be me, it's okay to say I like this band. Yeah. It's okay to wear glasses and feel confident in them that was put me in a really vulnerable spot because you didn't know are you going to lose your friends like now you're kind of going against the grain of things like I stopped trying to dress like everybody else I couldn't afford Abercrombie and Doc Martens and going to a Catholic high school that was like all that you wear I mean you had a uniform and so you could stand out by your shoes yeah (laughs) like your maybe collared shirt yeah (laughs) and so I think once I got to college and started to figure out who I was and then just start to like listen to like my mom like you can count your best friends on one hand and like feel like who likes me because of me and I need to be more me and then then with that comes with like being open about who I am and like accepting that and having other people and and also being okay with not everybody's going to like you I'm not everybody's cup of tea I might be one person's you know cup of whiskey or something so it's just kind of like accepting that I think was my that's what vulnerability means to me I love that because I think that's something that 
people struggle with so much today. We're expected to be in this one stream like we're all supposed to be doing the same thing or looking the same way or what it is and people who are a little different or a little quirky or a little bit out there are like what I don't feel like I fit in and I don't feel like this is for me and instead of owning that and standing up and be like no but this is who I am oftentimes they just keep swimming and they keep going Mm -hmm. with the stream and just keep trying to fit in but you're gonna connect with people and you're gonna feel deeper friendships and have a more meaningful impact on people if you're willing to open up and be like this is who I am Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna attract people that are like you and like you said about having boyfriends I can relate to that sometimes too where it's you like somebody because they like you Mm -hmm. and you think my standards are so high of what I want and so you're sitting there going well I mean they like me and like they're fine like I kind (laughs) of like them Mm -hmm. and instead of being like no I'm not gonna settle I I want something that I equally like them as much as they like me. And that is something so powerful, too, because you don't have to have a boyfriend. You don't have to be Mm -hmm. dating someone. You don't have to have all these friends. You have to have people in your life that mean something to you and that accept you for who you are and love you for who you are because otherwise, eventually, it's all going to fade and you're not going to be happy anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone loves you for who you are, that's, like, the best feeling in the whole world. Oh, yeah. Kudos to Jake. Yeah. Because he sees all my quirks and... I love it when he laughs at me because of me and like we can laugh together and I don't have to hide yeah. like who I am like at all. How and when did you and Jake meet? Tell that story. Um, we met almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. on Match.com. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool a little bit because I this kind of might go into a question that you I think you're going to ask me later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's basically I had broken up with a boyfriend because my good one of my good friends my ex-boyfriend called me the b-word and I just don't know what I can say yeah. but he called me the bitch and yeah and she's like that's not okay that's not okay and I was like you're right that's not okay mm-hmm. and so I went on this like I'm gonna be single like I'm gonna be single I'm gonna do my thing I decided I lived in Iowa and I wanted to move and I made this like drastic move to Portland Oregon and my friend had lived out there and I, I just needed to do something for me for once like for me and stop putting my career first which kind of I did a little but um so anyways I get out there and my friends that lived out there were getting married and then my roommate decided to get a girlfriend right when we got there so I was like cool man you're supposed to be my like single buddy hanging yeah. out like friend and so I don't know my friend was like just try and match I was like I don't want to date I don't want that I just want to know like the cool places to go in Portland. I'm a Husker fan. I want to know where I can watch the Husker games. Where's the Husker bar? I want to know, like, not touristy places to go. So I signed up for it. And then Jake was – I got a couple messages, but Jake had, like, messaged me, and he's from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And so – and I'm from Iowa, and I liked that connection of, like, Midwest. And then we went on a date together, and we've been together since. And I didn't go on a date with anybody else. He was the first and only person I went on a date with. And we joke about things like, I did go on a date when I got out to Portland because I got asked out, but I invited my friends. And he was so weird. (laughs) And so then when Jake was like, after we had started dating, he's like, why didn't you have your friends go on the date with me? And I said, I don't know. There was just, I don't know, something about you and they were out of town, but something, yeah. you know, about the fact that, like, you were from the Midwest, and I don't know, I just trusted you it. Felt and comfortable. On this, like, we spent, like, the weekend together, because there was, like, a big festival, um, 
uh, oh no, like I'm drawing a blank, Cinco de Mayo Festival. Oh yeah. Um, going on like that weekend that we met down on the riverfront in Portland. And so we went to it and my mom called me and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm at this festival and I'm with this guy, Jake. And she's like, you're still with him? And I was like, well, we had to run errands to run and whatever. And I was like, he's buying me a lemonade. And she's like, you don't like lemonade. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. And I said, Mom, he's the nicest boy I've ever met. I'm going to lock this down. Oh <laughs> it was like day God. two. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, there was something about him that you just knew I just right knew. Away. And then I was kind of worried he wasn't going to call me, you know, and then he did. And so that's, I, but we did not, it was, you know, again, 2000, what is it? Like 2010 when we met and online dating was just still getting there and so we that was April and we didn't tell people we met online until November I told them I worked in the rental car industry at the time and he worked for um like an after OEM like aftermarket company that made parts for Mazdas Mm -hmm. and they said um you know I said oh he rented a car for me for his job and that's how we met and that was our story for months because I didn't know how people would take it I didn't know how my mom would feel saying yep I'm this stranger picked me up I opened the door I was like are you Jake and then I got in the car with him and we went on a date exactly (laughs) like there was a little stigma on that still but once we finally told people I'm like it was just yeah were people how did people react once you told them about that they were fine yeah and I think it's because they saw yeah. Like what I saw. They saw that he was this like really nice guy, like yeah. down to earth. He had the same values as me. Like so I, I think that it kind of didn't matter at that point. Yeah. And maybe and like maybe that's like they it was nice because they didn't have that perception that like, oh you guys met online? Yeah. Like is this for real? <laughs> he that's so funny too, because he is like, I met him for the first time when you guys came to the wedding, and it's so cool to see you guys together because you're this, like, big personality, and you're really out there, like you said, and you're fun and, like, funny and quirky, and then he's so just, like, your rock. I mean, he <laughs> totally. walks in, and he's just, like, there. You just know you – he just mm-hmm. seems so dependable when you just meet him, too, and he's quiet in my eyes, I mean, when I first met him, at least, and it's so cool to see you guys balance each other mm-hmm. out, I feel like – and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you bring out a little bit more personality from him and he kind of calms you a he little bit. Totally, 100%. Yeah. You have it right. He is, he brings me back down if yeah. I get too far. This is my best analogy. If you're a nerd like me, he is Spock and I'm Captain Kirk. And the way that they balance each other out and like the, the, the force between them, I mean, the force is Star Wars, but you know, like the balance between them, um, I always say he's, he's Spock and I'm Captain Kirk that's because so that's, I feel like, I can fly off the handle and he reins me back in, mm-hmm, you know, or sure. vice versa. Like I can get him to like maybe loosen up a little bit, yeah, you know, for sure. So um, I wanted to ask you about your experience with IVF mm-hmm. and that whole process. And I know with the vulnerability question, that's kind of where I've seen you be really vulnerable is out on social media and being super open about your experience. I mean, you'll post videos all the time and talking about, you know, the struggles you've had with pregnancy and how that's come. And now you've got baby two Mm -hmm. almost here. I mean, so crazy to see that and so cool. But if you want to tell us a little bit about that process and how that happened and what you go through. So my story is a little bit different, I feel like, than a lot of women or couples that are experiencing infertility. Um, I found out when I was 18 years old that I could not have kids. And at this time, I was a virgin. You know, I was senior in high school. And how we found out was I hadn't started my period yet. Mm. And I wasn't developing 
like some of the other girls were. And so that's probably part of why I was how I was a little bit in high school. Um, I wore like a C-cup bra to make it look like I had bigger boobs. And so I told my mom, you know, like, I think something's wrong with me. Like, I haven't started my period. And so, I mean, this day is a day that, like, I'll never forget. We went to um, – I'm from, like, a biggish, smallish town in Iowa. Not a farm. Did not grow up on a farm. <laughs> and we went to this um, University of Iowa hospitals, and they ran a couple blood tests, and they saw me. And they told me that when um, I was a seven-week-old embryo that my um, reproductive parts didn't develop. So I, did, I was born with no eggs. Wow. And so something was missed then um, just – I don't know, not starting my period. So they started me on my period. It's a really rare disease called gonadal dysgenesis. And I didn't find out until I was like 25 maybe that it's called um, gonadal dysgenesis type XX. There's two different types. So the first type is it could kind of mean like hermaphrodite where you have both sex parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I went, I actually... um, applied online to get into the Mayo Clinic because I needed more answers because um, I thought I was like one year when I was 24 I was having really bad pain in my abdomen I thought like I was having an ovarian cyst because Mm -hmm. my aunt who I was living with at the time she had one and she's like these are the same symptoms and so I went in and I had an ultrasound and a nurse laughed at me because I said oh I think I have an ovarian cyst and she goes you don't have any ovaries had no idea like all I knew was that I just got a blood test and I didn't have any eggs possibly like my disease is so rare my doctors have said there's just not enough of us in one like area to study it so um I was like I'm gonna go to Mayo and see and figure this out and so we went there and they figured out it was the type XX which is purely female I'm just missing ovaries and fallopian tubes and eggs so I have a uterus so fast forward to like you know going through things like knowing I can't have kids and this is part where I start to like own myself a little bit more and to cope with it I started talking about it I didn't really like want to keep it a secret I didn't really know how to like talk about it or like what to say but I think some of my girlfriends in high school were like hey what's going on like you're kind of down today and I kind of then was like oh you know I can't have kids I don't remember how I told people um but it just made me feel better mm-hmm. to like say it or like this is what I'm going through and as an 18 year old like not having sex I mean I, I don't know. I was very embarrassed as well because I had to buy birth control because I don't have hormones. Mm. So I'm on a hormone replacement therapy. So here I am, like, 18, 19, like, buying birth control and being super embarrassed <laughs> at the pharmacy. Like, mm, not, not even having sex. Having sex. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And so um, so then I, you know, go through, go through um, kind of that stuff and doctors not believing me. And, like, I tell them this is a disease I have and I have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I meet Jake, and I'm like, second date, literally. I'm like, I can't have kids. And he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and, he, and so I asked him, like, later, and he's like, I didn't think about it because we weren't at that place yet, and I just thought that that was something we would deal with when we got to it, mm-hmm. if, it if we got to it. So then when, um, you know, Jake and I got married, we were talking about kids, and one doctor at Mayo – 
told me never to try IVF. He said, you will be a human pincushion. Don't ever do it. Your body can't handle it. And so that was a grieving process. Not only like, yeah, I mean, I've had 10 years at that point to like grieve that like I don't have eggs or fallopian tubes and yes, IVF can help. Now this doc, these two doctors are like telling me like, don't even do it. So I kind of went through like a process of grieving, like, okay, so I guess we'll try surrogacy and I don't know what that means, adoption. And I knew that there would be a, I knew there would be a way for me to have kids. It was just like, that just got taken away. Yeah. And so we moved from Portland to Minneapolis and then we got married and we were like talking about kids and I went, I started seeing a new gynecologist and I was telling him about this, like I can't have kids or whatever. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, why not? And I was like, well, that's just what they said, you know, like, and he goes, you have a uterus. We would just treat it as ovarian failure. And I was like, oh, and he goes, I think you need to go get a second opinion. And I was like, oh, and it's really funny too, because this goes back into bridal. I was measuring a bridesmaid one time and she was pregnant with twins, very pregnant with twins. And I joked and I was like, oh, I might have twins someday because I have to do IVF. And she's like, I, you know, did IVF. And she told me about her doctor and I was like, oh, okay. And so, um, I went to like, so I talked to her, and that was kind of cool, and then I went to, like, I saw two different doctors. One I thought was super cocky, did not like him, and the thing that was really amazing about Jake's character and who Jake is is we had two different clinics tell us, yeah, we can do this for you, but one of the doctors, like I said, was cocky, and I didn't really, like, vibe with him, and I didn't really, like, like their process. You know, Jake kind of looked at me, and he said, this is your body. Like, he goes... If you, if you don't want to have a baby and you want to do surrogacy, let's go that route. But if you want to try, let's try. And I'm like, because I had, I had just gone through the process that my body will never carry a child. You know, so it was like a really hard like, okay, wait, now I can try? Like it was just yeah. hard to kind of wrap my head around that. Like do I even want to? Yeah. Right? Just because of all of the 10 years of whatever I've been through. And... So we ended up finding this doctor, and I will never forget. He's retired now, so I'm super sad, but the new doctor that replaced him still got me pregnant, so that's good. (laughs) But he goes, you're not special. And then he looked at me, and he goes, I mean, you're special because of who you are, but your case is not special. And I was, like, hired. I loved loved hearing that because I felt like for so many years I was just, like, looked at, like, we don't know how to treat you. We don't know what to do with you. You can't have kids, this or that. And – so when we decided to do this, I am I have had been open about it. And I was like, I need to be more open. I want I had no one growing up. I had no one at 18 years old. None of my friends knew what I was going through. None of my friends like they all went through puberty. I didn't. And so I'm like, if I could help one person, if I could find one person and just share my story. And so I started a blog about Jake babies because I wanted Jake babies because he's so amazing <laughs> and um, would write like here's here's our timeline here's what we're gonna do and so we ended up doing the donor egg route yeah so with that our clinic finds an anonymous donor we could have asked someone and had someone donate if they were willing but we decided to do the anonymous donor route it was a little bit more expensive 
Um, but Jake is so great. Like we, we knew we were going to do it. And so we started saving. He has great like health insurance, which didn't pay for it, but we had like an HSA, we had stocks, he had profit sharing and we had saved. So a lot of that, it was about $30,000 for Wilder. And so we didn't have to take any loans out. I'm so thankful that Jake knows money (laughs) like that and can like figure that out. But it was still a process and a process that not many people know about. And when I when Instagram kind of came out and I started becoming more into Instagram, there's a huge IVF community, um, huge, you know, it's called TTC trying to conceive. I mean, it is so big. I've met so many amazing women, not even in person, half of them, um, that have helped me like, Hey, I'm They want to put me on this drug or this is the shot I have to take. Or like, what is your experience with this? And because of that, there's been some great connections I've made. And like one of my friends that I met in rental car has had been struggling with IVF and she's like huge in the TTC IVF world on Instagram. Like, and she helps so many people and she's been there for me. And, um, now because like the really cool thing is I did have one woman reach out to me that has gonadal dysgenesis. She found me. She's in New York city. And she's, we've emailed a couple times. I mean, they're like pages of emails and she's younger, probably like 10 years younger than me. And she's just like, so excited. Yeah. And like, tell me how, how was this? And like, she, you know, and like the questions that we would talk about was like, one of them was like, I did have a boyfriend in high school, one boyfriend for four months. And, um, I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but the reason I broke up with you (laughs) (laughs) is because you tried to touch my boobs. (laughs) Under my shirt. And I was, like, not comfortable. Yeah. I just was not there yet yeah. with myself because, again, I was, like, hadn't even known at that point yeah. that I couldn't have kids or, like, that I wasn't going to start my period. And I just wasn't developing. And so I was, like, freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with him. Yeah. And so um, it, for her, it was, like, so that was, like, you know, those questions were, like, how did you feel comfortable sexually? How did yeah. you, you know, so it kind of developed just from the IVF into like these other things that like are very rarely talked about, yeah. like that are kind of like private details on like your relationships and different things. But yeah. having that person reach out to me was like, there's someone like me yeah. and she's thinking the same thing. Yeah. There's someone like me with mm-hmm. my disease. And her sister actually is like um, a reproductive endocrinologist. So like no she's way. got, um, she said her sister froze her eggs for her and wow. so like that. So it's been really great. And that's why I'm so open. And this, it's just, it's so different and everyone goes through infertility and IVF. And so I actually had a really, so um, we, you know, did the donor egg route. We got 20, we had 25 embryos Implanted two, um, so I was pregnant with twins, lost one at 10 weeks, but it's, to me, a blessing because um, I loved this time with Wilder. Really hard, horrible pregnancy and birth. (laughs) So I wasn't even sure if we were going to do this again just because it was so hard, but we wanted two kids, and so we tried it again. And it was a lot cheaper the second route because we did a frozen embryo transfer. So it was the same, I call it the same batch of embryos that Wilder was from so um same donor and everything they she she's been frozen for three years you know and so they thought out the embryo and implanted her and it took right away so that's kind of like there's probably a lot I think I'm forgetting with the IVF stuff but that's that's why I'm so so open about it because I just felt like I didn't really have anybody my mom feels terrible all the time and she thinks it's her fault and it's totally not her fault. And so it was just, you didn't, 
you didn't know who to talk to. You didn't have, I didn't have a support group (laughs) for this kind of a thing. And so, um, you know, it's still a disease that I will deal with. Like I won't go through menopause. Um, I'll have to be on hormone replacement until I'm like 50 or 60. And then they say they'll just like taper me off. And if I'm not on hormone replacement, I have tried it for like two weeks and I went crazy. Mm. And um, I'm prone to like osteoporosis early and just different things like that. So it's still something that I'm going to deal with. But um, when people ask me certain things about IVF, I can relate to a lot of them. But sometimes it's a lot of women have a hard time grieving going the donor egg route. And so they'll ask me questions about how did you grieve not passing on your genetics or how did you get over this? And for me, again, I had a longer time to process it. Uh, When you get married, you have this idea you're going to have kids and then it doesn't work and it is devastating. And it's just, it's a different path. So you're learning this when I've already had years for it. Yeah, you Um, knew a lot sooner than some people know. Yeah, and there is a thing that I just have to say. It's called epigenetics. Okay. My child is, like, so like me. He's, like, 100% his dad. I mean, he looks like his dad. Looks just like Jake. It's crazy. Looks just like him, acts like him. They have this weird thing where Jake, like, like, when he's, like, laying down, he'll, like, rub his feet. Wilder does the same thing where he, like, rubs his feet. No way. And I'm like, okay, you guys are just so alike. But, like, Wilder sometimes acts like me and he I so our donor had brown eyes Jake has green eyes I have blue eyes Wilder has blue eyes so I so think crazy. that something you know right I mean it was my blood my body yeah has to account for some of that and he's around me a lot so he does he's very like funny personable he's kind of like his uncle Jordan he's got this big bubbly personality and class clown and, and that's Jake's brother and my brother as well my brother yeah. is like super class clown popular kid and so I think that's interesting so when I tell when people ask me like they're they don't want to do that route because they feel like they're losing their genetics or you know I'm just like but you're not like it's the most amazing gift it's the most amazing thing you know that you'll ever experience when your character carries on like you Mm -hmm. said I mean he is raised by you so Mm -hmm. he's gonna act like you and Mm -hmm. he's gonna act like Jake too but it's not all based on you know your eggs right creating him I mean Mm -hmm. who he is is based on how you raise him Mm -hmm. and a lot of that will be passed from you too so it's so I mean it's just really interesting and the fact that women go through that and like you said so how did you feel in that moment I mean you were young you hadn't had sex yet you probably didn't know what this means but there had to be a part of you that you thought for so long I'm gonna have kids someday or I want to be like my mom and have kids and my own kids so Mm -hmm. in that moment when you're told you can't have kids how did that feel like what what went through your head it was it was pretty devastating um I had I had thought I was gonna be a mom I mean I I would play with my friends and we'd already pick your you know kids names out and we had sugar babies in fifth grade and you know you're taking care of them and my mom was a single mom and raised me and my brother and uh, my dad was in the picture but just lived four hours away um and so I always just was like I'm gonna be like a mom I just I had that in me I just it was never like I didn't want kids and so I just I kind of blacked out honestly I just remember being hearing the news, being really upset and devastated, crying a little bit in the doctor's office. And my mom, I think we were just in shock a little bit. And um, my mom took me that day and bought me like a $400 prom dress <laughs> that I knew she probably could not afford because yeah. she just was like, I don't know what to do yeah. like in this situation. Yeah. And because it was like in February. And <clears throat> so it was, it was really hard. 
but it was something that like yeah I I know I'm not gonna have kids now I know I'm not like there now yeah. but still just knowing that that was taken like you said yeah. taken away from you yeah. I mean I think that's such a powerful thing because as women a lot of us that's just in our it's in our nature we're we're wanting to be mothers and that's some women's biggest fear is that you can't have children and so Mm -hmm. learning that at such a young age too like you said it's a blessing in a way because you had time to process it and you knew before you met jake so you could tell jake before Mm -hmm. you guys got too serious but there's still just that you feel it's almost like you know, so like you said, something is just taken from you mm-hmm. that you feel like you deserve, and that you're you're born to have children, and then you you are told you can't. Mm-hmm. Thank God you could, and yeah. how much of a miracle that you know it all worked out, and that you have Wilder, and now you have a new baby on the mm-hmm. way. I mean, it's amazing what we can do to make it work, but the process, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I've noticed on your social media and stuff is you share, you know, Jake putting a needle in your butt and like <laughs> yeah that's so awesome yeah. that you're willing to share that because like you said people are looking at that and saying I'm not alone so how did that process go for you where you had to or you decided that you wanted to take these videos of you know you in just severe pain so uncomfortable and Wilder and Jake behind you <laughs> poking your butt with a needle and that how it was many, a big needle yeah it was Is like every night too that you it was do that? every day for gosh 10 weeks it was less this this baby was less shots I think I did like 16 weeks with Wilder okay oh my gosh so I I don't know I started so with Wilder I started um becoming a little bit more open on Instagram and I would post I don't know if you could do videos at at the time Instagram's changed so much so I had like a picture of like, okay, it's called um, progesterone and oil. So PIO shots are what they are. And it's a pretty big needle and it's oil, very thick um, oil, like sesame oil. And it goes into your like muscle in your butt and like it hurts <laughs> really bad. And um, the first couple times you're like, oh, it's not that bad. And then you get to like the hundredth one and yeah. you're just like, I can't even move my leg. Oh. Um, so I had documented a little bit with Wilder and... I like a lot of my followers on Instagram, you know, are it, like my Instagram's all over the place. It was like bridal fashion IVF boating. I don't yeah. even know how to describe <laughs> it. And so with this, I think it was more of a way too because I needed to get hyped, right? I'm like, okay, whew, like my body's gonna go through this again. I'm gonna gain the weight again. I'm gonna be uncomfortable again. I, I need this to work. And it was just a way to say, Yes, you can do it. I can do it. Here's here's what we're gonna do. And I don't know what st- I don't know why I decided to just share videos of it. But yeah. it, it was, and I think one reason was because it was really cute when I would see Wilder helping, and yeah. he wanted to help for his, you know, for the baby. And he kind of didn't know what he was doing, but seeing the two of them and seeing Jake just be so compassionate and so caring, and like he's like, I don't really want to do this. He's like, I don't want to give you shots, no. but he did it you know, knowing that, like, this is what we have to do. Yeah. And then it was funny. I've had actually a, um, with Wilder, I had a bridal consultant (laughs) once do it because Jake was out of town. (laughs) So I was like, you didn't know that was in your job description. (laughs) (laughs) And then I've had to have some neighbors help out um, because it's kind of hard when you have to do it yourself and, like, twist around and do it. But I just, I want to be a resource. I want to be there for people. I want them to know that, like, this sucks. This really sucks. But... I mean, seeing Wilder, it's like I would do it all over for yeah. him. 
just for that again. And that's, I think, the biggest thing with all of this is that you don't have to put your whole life out on social media, obviously. And I've said this Mm -hmm. over and over again. But if you feel like you want to help people and you go through hard stuff like this, that is such a powerful way to get out and share, you know, this is hard, but you're not alone if you're going through this too. Mm -hmm. And like you said, just having that one girl reach out, I mean, doesn't that just make you feel like, okay, now I know why I do this. Yep. Because not only does it help her, it helps you too, Mm -hmm. like you said. I mean, you sat there going, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she's thinking the same thing. I mean, that's the powerful side of social media is that there's Mm -hmm. so many negative connotations behind it. But when you look at it in this way of, well, we're just all trying to help each other. And if somebody clicks on your profile, they see in your description IVF, you know, Mm -hmm. these things, and they can find these things on your profile and they can connect with you. And the fact that people feel comfortable enough to reach out and say, oh my gosh, I'm going through this too, mm-hmm. that is such a powerful thing and it can help so many people mm-hmm. because we live in a world that you can feel so isolated sometimes that having that ability to go on social media and say, oh my gosh, someone else feels the same way I do, is going through the same thing, has this rare disease that I have, I mean, it's just impeccable that that can be a thing. Yeah. A lot of these women, you know, have separate private accounts for their um, Instagram because they might not feel comfortable being so open about it and which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I like even when I was going through this and like I I started actually um, having an allergic reaction to the shots. Mm. Um, I was starting, I was really itchy. So, like, I'd be, like, in a bridal appointment just, like, itching because <laughs> I'm, like, it hurts so bad and I'm, like, itchy. Uh-huh. And I could go on and possibly find someone that might have, like, posted about it. And, oh, try this cream or try this or try, instead of sesame oil, try this oil, yeah. you know. And so that's also a thing. Or, if, you know, when you're, it's called the two-week wait it's the dreaded where you do your transfer and then you have to wait to get your blood oh. test. And so you're just like, you, like, I was like, well, I jumped on my stomach. Am I okay? Yeah. You know, and you like, you, you criticize every single thing. Like, Oh, I felt a, a, a cramp. Is that a good sign? So I actually would go on and there's like a hashtag, like, let's just say like seven D P T five D T, you know, like seven yeah. days past five day transfer. Mm-hmm. And I could go on and see who's ever posted seven days, you know, past the five day transfer. What symptoms were they feeling? What did they did they pee on a stick and get a positive result? I mean, so it was just so powerful and wow. so like cool to have some of this information that you just can't Google sometimes, no. you know, or you, you you can trust it more because yeah. it's real people. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as you know, it's this and that hashtag is being used by people <laughs> that know what that hashtag means. Yeah, because. I would never know how to do that. I would yeah. be like, what? I, mean, I think I've seen some of your hashtags <laughs> like, and I've been like, what is she? Is she okay? Like, <laughs> what is 7BTD? You know? Yeah. But, like, that is such a cool, cool thing, and I hope people continue to do that because, like you said, it just creates that community, and it's people you can trust, and you could message that person directly and mm-hmm. ask them a question rather than Google and get 75 different answers and not have a direct contact to somebody and be like, oh, my gosh, what if I'm feeling this? Um I want to know about when you had that two-week waiting period with Wilder and how did that feel when you found out that you had, in fact, become pregnant? That was so interesting. I took, I, like, took time off of work, actually. And that's, like, right when I hired Kirby on because I was like, I want to get pregnant. We're doing IVF. I need someone to be in the store yep. to run this. And um, I was so bored. I was like, why did I take two weeks off? Um 
It was surreal. I ate a lot of ice cream, watched some movies. I decorated for Christmas, like, November 1st, because <laughs> we did our transfer, like, the 14th. Oh, my God. And so I wanted to be happy and excited. And so um, it was really exciting. My mom was there, and I decided to, you know, pee on a stick. So I decided at day five to take a pregnancy test and day nine is when you can get your blood drawn called beta and I decided to do it and I had a line and Jake was like yeah I mean it's a it's a faint line he's very like scientific like we'll just see what the numbers are like so he was like I think for him like really shocked and surprised and so he didn't I think we were just kind of in this like is it real is this real like we've been reading all the statistics that like it might not happen your first time Like, I've had friends that have done several transfers, and it has not worked. And so, you know, you have this kind of, like, um, you want it to work, and you have this this hope. We call it cautiously optimistic Mm. in the IVF world. So, like, I was very cautiously optimistic, and it happened. I got really excited, and then Jake's like, let's wait for the numbers. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) Okay. Shoot. It's bringing me down. (laughs) And then we got the numbers for IVF, and then, you know, um, I was really tired. I remember around that was, like, Thanksgiving or, you know, we were kind of, like, getting into that and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm so tired. But it was exciting. It was just still um, surreal. Surreal. I just never thought that this would happen. So it wasn't until you start feeling them kick. Or, like, am I really pregnant? Mm -hmm. You know, it just – and then even you're having it, and you're like – is this really a baby? <laughs> like, what is happening? No like, way. I was scared, and I went through a lot of emotions during pregnancy, and I just kept thinking, like, I can't believe this is me. And, I mean, I still cry when I sing You Are My Sunshine to Wilder. Mm-hmm. He's three and a half. Mm-hmm. I still cry because he he's my sunshine. He His daycare provider told me one time, he goes, yeah, Wilder says, Mommy calls me a miracle. <laughs> and I'm like, he is I a miracle. Chills. And I say, because I tell him that every day, I yeah. and I love him so much, and I... It, it was just that two-week wait was just such a surreal feeling. It was like holidays, happiness. You're just still kind of like, okay, so it's like I'm pregnant. Yeah. And is there yeah. any concern in that time period, too, of, like you said, you know, am I really pregnant? I mean, then your whole pregnancy, is there kind of a worry of, like, is this going to, you know, carry through? And is this mm-hmm. going to work all the way through? Or is it pretty much once once it works? You're good or No, I mean you still you still have that concern and that worry. So we that you call it graduating from your reproductive clinic and then so when you you get blood taken a lot, you go in for a couple of ultrasounds and then when you're like eight weeks they're like, Okay, you're good to go. So just schedule your follow up appointment with your, you know, OBGYN and you're like, What I'm done? Like, no more shots. And it freaks you out because then you once you stop doing those shots and you stop taking your medicine, you're like, is this going to work yeah. still? Like, you don't want to do anything to compromise it. But there still are things that could happen. So when we were pregnant with Wilder, we had we were pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. Our numbers were so high. And when we went in, the doctor was very much like, okay, baby A, really strong heartbeat, growing on track, you know, on track. Baby B is a little smaller, slower, but there's a heartbeat. And they kind of had insinuated that it would probably become, like, a vanishing twin. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe it. So I did, like, a pregnancy announcement that we were having twins because I just was like, it's going to work. It's going to work. And um, then at 10 weeks, that was when we saw one perfectly amazing, kicking, healthy baby and then no sign mm-hmm. of baby B. Um, so it was kind of heartbreaking. So, I mean, even then, though, anything could happen. Um, 
you know, there's there's people that I know on Instagram that have had some stillborns even at like 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you're ever out of the clear. Like yesterday, she didn't move as much. And I was like, oh, she's not moving. I'm like touching my belly and just like pushing her like, wake up. Like, mm-hmm. are you there? And then, oh, and then she kicked all night last night. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm still Came in that like, yeah. do I need to go to the doctor? Where's the Herbie monitor? You know, so I don't know if that ever goes away. And for not just... Not just for someone that went through IVF, yeah. for I think any woman, Anyone. you know, because at any point, it can at any point, yeah, go that way. I think I love that story about you know Wilder and the miracle because I can imagine that you thought for so long that this was never going to be a possibility for you, and so seeing him, you know, be born and he's a baby and then he's three all of a sudden and he's just like this amazing child. It's like. I'm sure it's, like you said, still surreal for you. Mm -hmm. Like, how did this, how did this happen? And, and I think that's so touching because there's probably women out there too that it's like, being able to have children is such a blessing. And the fact that you're able to do it is amazing. So like, take every moment in and enjoy it because whether, you know, you have infertility issues or not, like they're miracles nonetheless Mm -hmm. and treat them as they are because that's, I mean, Wilder's just so lucky, and he the fact that he feels that way, too, is so awesome because yeah. he's just going to feel so fulfilled and loved for his whole life, and that's because you and Jake, you know, had to go through so much to get these two babies, mm-hmm. but they are going to be amazing, and they are amazing, and they're lucky to have you guys because you were willing to go through all that stuff to have them, and you wanted them that badly, mm-hmm. which is... Yeah, so when he's 16 and still saying, I want to throw you in the garbage, <laughs> and say, listen, listen sir, <laughs> what I went through <laughs> to get you, you better appreciate this. <laughs> you'll be able to use it against him for yeah. the rest of his life. Yeah. Everything he does, you'll be like, well, sir, let me tell you <laughs> what it was like. Let me tell yeah. you a little story, Wilder. <laughs> well, you know, the crazy thing, too, is when I was in labor with him, um, Jake was out in, like, the hallway, and I was talking to his mom. And I'm on, like, the bouncy ball because I'm like, come on, you know, come on, dude. And um, they had started me on Pitocin. They had to induce me because he wouldn't come out. I mean, it was like I was due on the 2nd. He was born on the 10th. Like, did not want to come out. And all of a sudden, like, you just hear this, like, beep, 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 beep. And you're just like, what's happening? And all these nurses come rushing in. They make me get on the bed on all fours. And they lost the heartbeat. (gasps) And they couldn't find the heartbeat. And the Pitocin... He did not like it. It didn't react or something happened. And, like, so Leanne goes and gets Jake. And she's like, I have to go get Jake. When he walked in the door, the look on his face was so, like, deer in headlights, but he's so concerned. He does not know what to do. He just comes over and holds my hand, and he's just very silent. And he's just like, what did I just walk into? Like, what's happening? And so I just know from, and I always say this, like, you know, on Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) when Mm -hmm. something's going on and those people are like, tell me what's going on and blah, blah. And they're like, let me do my job. I didn't, we didn't say a word. We just let them do what they needed to do. They got his heartbeat back and they had to like stop the Pitocin and they were like pushing on my belly and like trying to like resuscitate this baby and Jake's just I mean on the verge of tears like he didn't know if it was me he didn't know if it was the baby he had like no idea what was going on this is terrifying and so 
that added to the whole like when he we finally had him we're just like sobbing like oh my gosh you know that moment probably was just like terrifying oh my gosh you're so close you're so close and then like I pushed him out he had his cord wrapped around his neck or his head or something they had to push him back in and I had to push him back out I was like oh my god c-section this time jeez yeah please (laughs) please so but it was definitely like it just makes you again just be like oh my gosh you are like yes wonderful and perfect and like you're here and I I don't it's hard being a parent it's really hard being a parent going through what we went through but like I still put him to bed every night if he wants to rock I'll rock we still hold him all the time he crawled in our bed last night and I let him sleep with us I mean I'm you know you just are like I love you so much I I love you so much I kiss him all the time smells head I kiss his toes and, and that's I was like, what every child deserves. I mean, mm-hmm. every person in this world deserves mm-hmm. that love. And it, it just, that's a great testimony to any parent. I mean, no matter what you've gone through to get your children, just freaking love them because mm-hmm. they're all miracles and mm-hmm. they all deserve it. Um, well, I love all of that. Thank you for sharing that all. And it's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, it's a lot. It's no, a lot. it's so good because it's, I didn't even know a lot of that stuff. And I've known a good amount of your mm-hmm. story, but not everything. But we may have already touched on it, but, you know, we all have times in our lives and maybe more than one that kind of changes our perspective or makes us think differently. And I say pivotal moments. It might not be a pivotal moment. It mm-hmm. could just be those moments that you remember being like, oh, my gosh, life needs to change or it did change. Um, what was that for you or what were those moments for you? So, yeah, there's. I think it would be moments. I've had so many different stages in my life. You know, my parents divorced, growing up with my dad four hours away dating people I did or friends and you know all that kind of stuff but I think a few things stick out to me um one is when our wedding day so the reason I say it is because um a lot of things went wrong a lot of things went wrong on our wedding day I mean my maid of honor didn't show up (laughs) I remember this (laughs) the DJ equipment failed we had to listen to the radio and I knew that because I was not a big Taylor Swift fan, and I heard a Taylor Swift song, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> this is um, where we differ. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> she's okay now. I mean, I'm getting there. Did you watch the docu- documentary? I have not watched it yet. It's so good. But, <laughs> good, keep going. Um, but anyways, um, there, there was a time in my life when I partied a lot and drank a lot. And my wedding day, I didn't eat. <laughs> I didn't party and drink a lot, but I had had some beers and some toasts. And people just give you champagne and beer. And I hadn't eaten a lot. And I remember all this stuff is going on. And, like, I mean, there's, like, ten things that went wrong. Um, and I, I just remember having this conversation with my dad. Some stuff happened. And I don't really remember the conversation. I just know I was crying. I had a, like, pity pity party you know for myself like somewhere or whatever and then the next day my dad calls me and this is where I think this is where I'm getting at where things like kind of change for me because he told me and he's like you know Jake's a really great guy Jake's a really good guy and you're a really good person but what I saw from you last night was not something that I want to see again and he basically was like you the things, you know, the way that you acted, he's like, I don't want you to lose him. So I think whatever that was, you can't do that again. Mm-hmm. And he saw it one time. Jake and I had had a couple of fights, you know, when, especially when I was drinking. 
I would get really mad and I'd, we'd, I'd have this like huge blowout fight or something. And I think part of that stems from like a past relationship because that's what that guy did to me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't drink or have fun or whatever. And so then, like, I would just drink and be like, whatever. So anyways, um, that conversation with my dad being totally oblivious to anything in our past, just saying, I don't want you to get divorced like I got divorced. I don't want, you know, you to lose Jake because he's really good. Mm-hmm. So he that kind of changed things for me a little bit. Yeah. And I I don't really drink that much. And if I do, it's a, it's a little bit. But I'm like, I recognize that I had that behavior and I needed to change that because Jake is so worth it. And then the other kind of moment that I think of that like helped shape me was honestly Jake. Because me and one of my best friends lost touch for a couple years. And I don't, I'm like, I'm going to cry about it right now. Because yeah, like <laughs> we lost touch for a little bit and like we were we're fourth cousins like best friends and just stuff happened in college I don't even remember and I went home from Portland um we flew back to Iowa and Jake was with me and my friend was at this we went to this wedding of our classmates and like he kind of like got us to talk and like we spent like the entire night like outside just crying to each other talking and it was like we're best friends again you know and like that was Jake and then another thing he's done is, like, I I wasn't, like, super close with my dad, like, because he just lived so far away, but I was close with him. Like, mm-hmm. we still saw him all the time, like, whatever. But he kind of, like, helped me get over that, where now I have a great relationship with my dad and my stepmom. Mm-hmm. I, you know, never used to text her happy birthday. I never used to send her birthday cards. She's been in my life since I was, like, six years old. Yeah. And I just never got into that. And Jake has, like change that so he's made my relationships a lot stronger with people he's made me become a better person Mm -hmm. and like different moments that we've had like I would have never owned Flutter without him he like was like you know why don't you because I said you know I had gotten out of bridal and wanted to get back into bridal he's like why don't you just open your own I was like I don't know what you're talking about and so like he gave me the tools to do that he's supported me he like we went with no paychecks for a very long time and he supported that dream of mine so I think it kind of goes together like my dad recognizing how awesome he was and saying I don't like he is such a great guy and he treats you so good you need to hold on to this and then you know Jake just proving to me over and over like he's there for me he's helped me mend relationships he's helped me become like a better person I think those are those moments like I don't think it was like one specific thing it was just a couple things like that but I really feel like it all revolves kind of around him. I just, I feel like, I feel like maybe not everything happens for a reason, but every decision I made in life has led me to where I'm at. If I would have went to a different college, I might not have years later moved to Portland yeah, and met Jake. You know, you just never know those things. So yeah. I'm just so grateful for that, for that kind of a thing. And so just like being who I am and being like a strong person, like my mom's made me a strong person, you know, and I don't know. I, so many of those things but I think those are those pivotal things when I think about who I am what's helped shape me to be where I'm at today is those two things like kind of come into my mind which I think is so interesting too because you know people are always like you know 
a man shouldn't define you or anything mm-hmm. of those things. And they shouldn't. Right. It should be like that where they encourage you to be mm-hmm. exactly who you want to be. And they are a bonus to you. I've said it a million times. Just like somebody who lifts you up, pushes you to be the best version of yourself, and doesn't tear you down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he encourages the strong, badass woman you are mm-hmm. every single day. And it's mm-hmm. so clear. Like, he doesn't feel intimidated by your success or your ability to go out and be vulnerable and do those things. He didn't feel intimidated by you owning your own business and you doing those things. He encouraged everything that you did. And that's never going to hinder or, you know, suppress you. That's only going to push you further and encourage you and make you love him even more because he's willing to just push you as mm-hmm. far as you can go in the best way where mm-hmm. you're like he's like if you want to do that then you should do that and same thing like what he said about it's your body mm-hmm. and if you want to do this then we should do this if you want to do that we should do that like that is such an easy thing for a man to say too like it, it's easier than some people think you know like some people are sitting there thinking that it's their decision it's no it's my body and he's willing to say that even though it's a lot his decision too Mm -hmm. and he has a lot of part in this as well Mm -hmm. but he knows that you're the one who has to go through it and it's just so he's just awesome (laughs) I mean I can't speak highly enough about him too I I feel like he's just the greatest and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with having someone in your life who's just awesome that's how I hope everybody can live their life someday and some people settle before they find that Mm -hmm. so I'm so glad I didn't because it would have been a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you guys when you met again? Um, it was 10 years, so 26, wow. 25 or 26. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, like, I was still learning and growing, and I didn't even know who I was at that time, yeah. like, when we met. And now, 10 years later, just still having that strength. I mean, we've had some hard times. Like, we've had some rough times. I mean, having a baby, too, you kind of, like, lose that, like, lovey-dovey yeah. puppy romance, and you're just trying to, like, hi, how's your day? Okay, good. Okay, bye. You know, because you're just don't know what's going on and so we you, we have to work at it but and I, I have truly said that you know you don't need a man to do anything and my mom is a super big influence in that just she's so strong raising us the way that she did but like I found this person that's like kind of amazing and like yeah. does make me want to be a better person and um so I want to hold on to that yeah and so. that's what I always tell people I'm like if you find somebody who makes you want to be better it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're old. Like, if that is somebody, as long as you don't lose who you are, it's worth it. Just hang on to it. Don't let it go because that's going to be happiness for you too. And you'll have your own personal happiness, but you'll also be able to, you know, create happiness for that person. And you'll have it together and you'll have it individually. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really cool thing too. And we're on this earth for those connections mm-hmm. to have that love and support each other and just love up on one another so i love that yeah. you guys are awesome <laughs> jake's getting a lot of praise today. yeah he is jake's gonna be like dang <laughs> this is awesome um so you are now about to pop you're gonna have a baby pretty soon yeah here. nine weeks yeah and i'm sure you're still going through like you said you yesterday had those stresses about she's not moving around and how through all of this and through everything you've been through how do you stay mentally healthy talking i need to talk about it I need to express my feelings I cannot keep things bottled up even like 
the other day, I just texted Jake and was like, I just feel like I miss you. <laughs> I see him every day. I'm like, I just feel like I miss you. Or, you know, if I'm stressed about something, I call a friend or I call my mom. She, like, hears everything. Or I call Jake's mom. Um, and I'm like, I'm going through this situation. I can't keep things bottled up because it will just eat at me and I'll just keep thinking about it and thinking about it. And so for me, I've learned that when I was diagnosed with this, when I started to become open about it, when I started to accept it, I just felt better. Mm-hmm. I felt better about myself. And especially last year when I was going through we wanted to have another baby. I own this business. I'm stressed out. I'm crying every day. I don't know what to do. I decided I wasn't happy and I needed to be happy. And I talked about it and I had this, I had support because I talked about it. If I didn't talk about it or express my feelings, I don't know what could have happened. You know, like I don't know if I would have just be still be in this like unhappy world and, you know, maybe I wouldn't be where I'm at today um but just talking about it and just being like true to myself and open and realizing like sometimes I'll just be like Jake I need to talk to you and I'll be like what (laughs) (laughs) and I don't just be something so random you know even my dreams I have these very vivid dreams I talk about them to my coworkers all the time I'm like I had this dream I just need to tell you so that's I think how I just can try and keep process process things and keep my brain healthy and um handle things and you know maybe not get over it but just like that's just who I am like going through this I want we wanted to keep it a secret we wanted to we we didn't get to do the whole surprise we're pregnant yeah we didn't get to do that and we thought like let's do it like let's do a where you get to tell the grandparents by having them open Uh a gift I can't do that I can't I I have to share and talk and and you know, speak my feelings. And then even like the gender reveal or uh-huh. doing anything like that, they're like, are you going to find out? I'm like, yes. Yeah. I cannot keep this a secret. The name I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I no, I yeah. need to talk about it. You need to tell everyone. You need to tell yeah. everyone. So there are mm-hmm. some things that obviously I keep private, but yeah. some things that like I just share. That's how you I'm just a very open book. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I feel, I mean, some people are and some people aren't and that's totally fine, but that's how you're helping people in the end. I mean, you're talking about things. And mm-hmm. so you're not only helping yourself, but yeah. you're helping others too. So it works out. It's full circle. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that was awesome. I mean, how do you feel? I feel good. Yeah. I I hope that I'm able to help and definitely here if anyone has any questions. And I know it was a lot of information because yeah. it's, I mean, it's like a like, big chunk of my life yeah you know um totally so there's just a lot to process and a lot of info but yeah. I just want to be there to help people and I feel good sharing my story yeah you know thank you That's for sharing I'm, it yeah I'm out here you talking about, about it. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly well we'll put your Instagram in the bio and stuff so people can follow you and reach out but we're going to breakfast or not breakfast because it's <laughs> 1 p.m we're going to lunch in this snowstorm that we got going on but the sun's out i know i just noticed that it's so nice here actually um but thank you so much thank you You're the best and i'm so happy that you came and did this well thank you awesome. all right that's it